Congress could take action this week on two major items, military nominations and government funding. Produced by Defense News and Military Times, this is the Early Bird Brief. Each morning, we bring you the defense and national security news of the day. This would be a devastating blow, first of all, to our service members at a very human level. And what we know after five Army Special Operations aviators were killed in a helicopter crash. What does it all mean for our defense and security? You'll find out. I'm your host, Jonathan Lairfeld. Today is November 14th, 2023. First up, today the Senate Rules Committee will try to break through Senator Tommy Tuberville's months-long blockade of military nominees. The committee will vote on a plan to allow consideration of about 350 pending nominations in a single parliamentary move. It's a dramatic change in precedent for the chamber. The proposal is expected to easily pass out of the committee, but will face more problems in the full Senate. That's where Republican cooperation will be needed for final approval. And it's unclear if the plan can gain enough Republican support to work. Tuberville, an Alabama Republican, has held up fast-track consideration of routine senior military promotions and confirmations since the spring. He's repeatedly cited his objections to the Defense Department's abortion access policy as the reason for the hold. And this week, the House of Representatives is expected to vote on a short-term funding bill to prevent a government shutdown that would begin this weekend. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan had this to say during a White House press briefing when asked about the impact of a shutdown. This would be a devastating blow, first of all, to our service members at a very human level, because it would have an impact on uh, the ability of our troops to and their families to get all of the benefits and services that they deserve for the service that they are performing for our country. Second, it would send a signal to the world that the United States cannot pull together on a bipartisan basis to sustain government funding and to show a united face to the world Uh, at a moment where you see this turbulence around the world. So we will do everything in our power uh, to support Congress coming together around a measure that will fund the government and not have a shutdown occur at the end of this week. House Speaker Mike Johnson unveiled his proposal on Saturday to avoid a partial government shutdown. It would extend government funding for some agencies and programs until January 19th and continue funding for others until February 2nd. It's an unusual approach for a stopgap spending bill. Usually lawmakers extend funding until a certain date for all programs. Johnson decided to go with the combination approach, addressing concerns from GOP lawmakers seeking to avoid being presented with a massive spending bill just before the holidays. The Associated Press obtained a document explaining Johnson's proposal to House Republicans. It said funding for four spending bills, including veterans programs, would be extended until the January deadline. Funding for the eight other spending bills would be extended until the February deadline, That includes Defense, the State Department, Homeland Security, and other government agencies. The bill excludes funding President Joe Biden requested for Israel, Ukraine, and the U.S. border with Mexico. The White House panned the plan as unworkable and a threat to national security and domestic programs. A quick refresher, the federal government is operating under funding levels a Democratic-led House and Senate approved last year. Congress passed a 47-day continuing resolution to prevent a government shutdown at the end of September. Kevin McCarthy was booted from the speakership days later, 
and the House was effectively paralyzed for most of the month while Republicans tried to elect a replacement. In other news, five U.S. Army Special Operations aviators died after an MH-60 Black Hawk crashed in the eastern Mediterranean Sea on Friday. It was not clear whether the Black Hawk helicopter was training as part of routine operations in Europe, or if it was over the Mediterranean Sea as part of a deterrent force that has arrived in the region in recent weeks. For more on this, Air Force Times editor and senior reporter Rachel Cohen joins the episode today. Hey Rachel, can you tell us more about this incident? What happened after the crash? Yeah, on Friday night, there was a, a, a helicopter with five Army Special Operations troops that were going out for a training exercise. They were they were going up to refuel the helicopter. It's it's unclear what happened in the course of that. You know, if they if they you know collided with the tanker at all, or if there were issues you know co- connecting to it, or or moving away from it, um, or if it was just you know, something something happened in the course of flying to the tanker, flying back. But European Command said the helicopter went down in the Eastern Med. There was a search and rescue effort that was mounted, you know, really late Friday night, early Saturday. And then later in the weekend, they they revealed that all five people on board had been killed. What can you tell us about the other recent Black Hawk helicopter crashes? Yeah, this is not the first one that's happened this year. Back in March, there were two Blackhawks that collided in midair. They crashed and nine people nine people were killed. So that crash was near Fort Campbell in Kentucky. There was another crash, UH-60, in February that, you know, just the, the helicopter's, you know, position in the sky as, as it was coming in, you know, they weren't able to land it. Uh, smoothly and it crashed and that killed two soldiers as well. You know, it's unclear if there's going to be wider, you know, calls for for investigations into kind of the state of the the helicopter force this year, but you know, obviously it's it's been a very sad year for everybody involved. Thanks Rachel. For more conversations like this one, please like and follow us wherever you get your podcasts. Also on the radar for today, U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin said the U.S. conducted airstrikes in eastern Syria over the weekend. U.S. forces conducted uh, precision strikes in eastern Syria against two facilities that are used by uh, Iran's IRGC and affiliated groups. And I just want to remind you that these strikes are intended to disrupt and degrade the freedom of action and capabilities of these groups, which are directly responsible for attacks on U.S. forces in Iraq and Syria. This is the third time in a little more than two weeks that the U.S. has conducted strikes against the Iranian-tied weapons depots in Syria. The strikes have been in response to a growing number of attacks on bases housing U.S. troops in Iraq and Syria. Militant groups, many operating under the umbrella of the Islamic resistance in Iraq, have carried out nearly 50 attacks since October 17th on bases housing U.S. personnel in Iraq and Syria. The Pentagon has warned that Iran-backed militias will continue the escalation of attacks on troops in the Middle East, but officials have not specifically linked the attacks to U.S. support for Israel in its war with Hamas. 
According to the Pentagon, about 56 U.S. personnel have been injured in the attacks in Syria and Iraq, but all have returned to duty. Their injuries are a combination of traumatic brain injury and other minor wounds. And now, here are some other stories that we're hearing chirps about. President Joe Biden and Chinese President Xi Jinping are set to meet tomorrow in California for talks on trade, Taiwan, and fraught U.S.-Chinese relations. The United States and South Korea yesterday updated a bilateral security agreement. The goal is to more effectively counter North Korea's evolving nuclear and missile threats. The move followed high-level military talks in Seoul, which Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin participated in. The B-21 Raider took its first flight on Friday in California. The flight moves the futuristic warplane to becoming the nation's next nuclear weapons stealth bomber. And in case you missed it, Navy veteran Jacob Chansley, the so-called QAnon shaman, is planning a 2024 run as a libertarian candidate in Arizona's 8th Congressional District. Chansley's horned fur hat, bare chest, and face paint made him one of the most recognizable figures in the January 6, 2021 assault on the U.S. Capitol. Chansley pleaded guilty to a felony charge in connection with the insurrection and was sentenced to 41 months in prison. He served 27 before he was transferred to a halfway house in March. And on this day in history, in 1906, Theodore Roosevelt became the first U.S. president to travel abroad while in office. He visited several sites to see construction of the Panama Canal. He traveled there aboard the USS Louisiana. That's it for us this morning. To get more of the top stories and breaking news, go to defensenews.com EVB to subscribe to the Early Bird Brief newsletter. Please give us a like, rating, and a comment wherever you get your podcasts. And be sure to follow us on social media at defense underscore news and at military times. The Early Bird Brief is hosted by me, Jonathan Lerfeld, and today is produced by our video team. Today's episode features stories by Leo Shane III, The Associated Press, Rachel Cohen, and Todd South. Our editor-in-chief is Mike Gruss. Have a great day.